Well, last week we began uh, a series, as you see on the screen, entitled Kingdom Made. And it's a series about being and making disciples. And we started last week by, by looking at something that maybe sometimes we can just hop right over or miss, and that is uh, the why of it, purpose. Looked at Acts um, 13 and truth about Barnabas and Paul in the early church, and that they understood and grasped the importance of what it meant to, to grow and to be, and then also to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's a tremendous truth for us not to miss as followers of Jesus and as a body of Jesus Christ. And so we started there, and today we're going to continue to to move through this series about being and making and looking at some um, very important things, things that Jesus Christ taught and wanted us to understand and know uh, about what it means and how it is that we can make disciples and to be disciples. And I don't know about you, but I, I, um, I, I think at one level for a very long time, I understood that need. Uh, I started out um, and then going way back um, to youth ministry days, and, 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 and I also um, did, I always said whatever the, whatever the um, lead pastor didn't want to do, so they dumped into my, put it on my plate, but director of ed, outreach, all those other things, and I understood the importance of purpose in all of that and making disciples. And that that was to be a, a huge part of what it is that I was to use my gifts for and to serve God for, for his honor and glory. But it was in a broader, wider perspective. And it wasn't until later on in ministry that I began to, to grasp and understand that maybe, just maybe, I should be listening a little bit closer to Jesus and following his lead. And, I, and, and then discipling pouring into a few to, to going deeper more personally more intimately with with a few that that investment and intentionality about disciple making at, at a more intimate level and i wonder if that's not true sometimes for all of us in the church right i, I think we understand disciple-making, and we know that it's a part of who the church is to be and who it is that we're to be, to, to learn, to grow, to be taught, to become more mature as followers of Jesus Christ, and maybe at the very front end of that, to, to know him, to connect with him, to understand his grace, and to receive that in our heart, and then to begin a journey. And we think about that in terms of, of with broader brush strokes, Right? So we've got children's ministry, we've got youth groups, we've got life groups, we've got other things that, that people are involved in that are a part of that process, ministries that, that are wide. But, but I wonder if, if we haven't lost personally as followers of Jesus Christ that understanding that example that Jesus lived his life to demonstrate to us in terms of intimacy and pouring into people at a very personal way walking alongside of, coming alongside of a few, making disciples in, in that way, the example of Jesus. I just want you to think about that, and that's really what this, 
the series is going to be about. Understanding that that's a part of, of who we're called to be as salt and light, as followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to, to, um, I want to confess something to you. I've been a little sneaky spiritually because that's what I've been praying for the church for a long time. So I wish I could just kind of like do the microscope eyes, you know, like I'm doing. See, it's been my hope that you grasp that. And it's a personal thing for you. And I've been praying for God to give you eyes to see that coworker or that classmate, that friend, that family member, that neighbor that he wants you to come alongside of. To pour a little bit of yourself and Jesus into that relationship. to take the time and the effort to see them for who they are and the needs that they have in life. And, and I want to say this, and I've been praying for that, not so that they would be, and, and this can come off this way and, I, and certainly is not the intent, it's not to, so that you would have them as a, as a spiritual science project or a notch in your Bible. Don't put too many of them in there. I can't do that anymore. It's, I never did. That sounded bad. My Bible's falling apart. Tape helps. But that you do it out of authentic love and care and an understanding of who it is that God has equipped and empowered you to be, who it is that he desires you to be. And there's no better example than Jesus. And today I want to take you to a place in Mark, Mark 3, verses 13 to 19. Brent read it. I'm going to read it again, where we can learn a few things about what it means to make and to be. So I invite you to open up your Bibles. Words are on the screen. You can do that in any number of ways and read these words of truth with me. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James son of Zebedee and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of God, when its truth be written in your hearts, lived in your lives. So a couple of things I just want to look at and unpack for you as you see these words, because there's a lot there. The first is this, verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside. 
Then he called people to join him, but first he went up on the mountainside. What do you think he went up there to do? Well, you, yeah, and maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know, maybe he, yeah. Luke 6, verse 12 says he went up there to pray, and he prayed all night long. Luke 6 gives a, a, a similar account, recounts this. He went up there to pray. And, and, and I think I've shared this before, but you can go throughout the Gospels, and you can find all kinds of places where you read that, usually before something really big happened. Jesus would, would distance himself. He, he would go away, withdraw. It says go into the wilderness or go up on a mountainside to pray. And this is a can't miss about making disciples, praying. And, and, and Jesus understood the need and the importance of it. And he went up there to to pray and to pray for things, I think, very specifically. And I don't think this was the first time that he went up and he prayed about these particular 12 or making disciples. I'm sure he'd had the conversation with God a number of times. But he was about ready to, to act on his heavenly father's direction and leading and appoint some as, as apostles or spiritual leaders in church. More on that in a moment. And this was a big thing. I mean, you understand and know what they did if you read the Gospels and you get into the Acts. And we can even understand that in terms of, of some of the things that we read as well. To preach, to proclaim, to tell others, and then to drive out demons. This, this was a, this was a, these were the foundational people who began the early church. And I'm not so sure that Jesus went up there just to get clarity, but to pray for them. For who it is that he knew that they needed to be. That they would grasp it, that they would get it not intellectually, but in a heart sense, and that there would be this openness and this willingness and this thirstiness to simply step up and to be then who it is that God had already made them to be, that they would become. He prays. How good are we at that? Praying for other people that we know. Can, can, can learn a few things, can grow a little bit. People that we have in our lives. Of course, you might immediately think of children or grandchildren. Maybe, again, friends or other people that we know. I hope you're praying for them. And then he invites them up. So, so he, he goes up on the mountainside, he prays, and then he invites them and calls them to himself. And even that, think about that for a moment. So, you know, Jesus went up there, and he, he doesn't, and you might ask yourself, maybe not, maybe you haven't looked at the passage that closely, but why didn't Jesus just go down? Was it because he was lazy? Was it because he, you know, he wanted to say, hey, I'm the boss man, and you all better get up here? And No. 
He called them up there for the very same reason he went up there. So there'd be some stillness. See, down below, and you can see that picture that's actually a, um, probably pretty close to where this took place. See a Galilee's below, they're up on the mountainside, and you probably couldn't see it in the picture, or maybe not even to Jesus, but if you were up there in that green part, in the lower left part of the screen, and you're looking down there, you'd see all kinds of people down there, like little ants maybe. See, the crowds had already gathered. And as soon as Jesus would go down that mountain, he would be deluged. People would press in. People would come and be be calling out his name and talking to him. And, And that's not a bad thing, and Jesus welcomed that. But he also understood the need to have that time to withdraw. And he knew that that was important for this moment, for prayer, to extend this call that people needed to go and they needed to listen clearly to what it is that Jesus would tell them. Without the distractions, with all of the, the chaos and all of the milling about and everything. And I, I think you get it too, right? Is that not true? Where do you pray when you have things that are pressing, when the world's kind of getting tight around you, when you have things that you really need to just focus on and, and lay before the Lord? Maybe you do it in the middle of a Starbucks or, or somewhere. I don't know. My guess is, is that maybe you, you would draw and you just really, if you really want to, to pray and you want to really hear God speak or you really want to have that quietness and stillness where you can just focus, it's a beautiful thing. Jesus did that for himself, but then he also invited others into it. So as they would see, they would know, and they would be able to listen and hear very closely. And, and I'm guessing they prayed as well together with him. But he invites them to come. Is that a recurring theme or, or what? Up the mountain to have some conversation in stillness and quietness to listen and to hear what it is that he would have to say and what God told them to share with them big things, important things. Next thing that I want you to to note as you're, you're reading, it says, he called those that he wanted. If you read that in verse 13, he calls those... Uh, he called to him those that he wanted. And, and then it says he, he selected 12, and Luke 6 shares the same thing. And so there's one thing that's really important to, to note in all of that, and that is that Jesus just didn't call the 12. He called a number of people, others in addition to the 12. And why would that be? Well, there, there could be a, a whole number of reasons. I think understanding the call to to all of them as a whole in terms of of what that might mean, in terms of what was ahead of them, to to understand that he was setting apart these 12 as apostles. He was calling them. Uh, So so focusing on giftedness and an understanding, maybe to to continue to create unity and an understanding of their leadership. There's two two, um, Greek words that are used in here. 
Um, the one for uh, uh, apostles is apostolus. You can get the connection. And that has a direct connotation of leadership and honor. And then there's the word for disciples, which is matethos. And, and that has a clear distinction of follower and learner. And so as Jesus was speaking and he was using these words, he's, he's not like separating them or anything. He's just saying, hey, these are the roles, these are the things that I'm calling you to, and these are the 12. And so there's a number of different reasons. He calls a number of people, but, but then he does appoint the 12. And in this moment, there's, there's a few things that I want you to really think about in terms of, of making of making disciples, and we focused on one, the, the whole understanding of prayer. And so if you're thinking about discipleship and, and being and, and making disciples, and, and by the way, um, again, we'll, we'll focus on this more in this series, but there's a church-wide devotional called Makers by Patrick Ananati. I hope that you avail yourself of that opportunity, good stuff. Speaking about some of the things that, that Jesus did and that are important already focused on prayer and and i don't want you to miss this i've shared it a little bit but it's intent and you see that he called those he wanted he he was very intentional about who it is that he asked to come up on the mountain he's very intentional about the 12 that he called he knew them already he'd had an initial relationship with them was beginning to know them And, and if you know anything about jesus he was already starting to to watch and observe, taking into account, again, um, willingness, hunger, who, who these people were, what was in their hearts, understanding them as, as persons, as individuals, as followers. And so there's great intent in what it is that Jesus did. He just didn't, by the way, and so did he, did he, um, do you think that he, he called them up there and then he said, okay, hey, by the way, who wants to be an apostle? No, I don't think so. Or just close his eyes, you know, and do this. Had a, you know, list of names and got a dart and went choo, 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 through 12 of them and then said, okay, it's a, uh, no. He sought them out with great intent, just like he sought you out with his grace. Just as he's seeking you even now to be great intent, purpose-driven, This was no accident that he called certain people up and that he then appointed them. And so you think about who it is that you are and the things that he's gifted you with and the way in which he calls and seeks you out. Great intent. No mistakes. And so it's really powerful to think about in terms of personal worth, who it is that God is calling us to be, that Jesus would intentionally give you the gifts that he did, that Jesus would intentionally call you to serve him in this way or that way. No mistakes. And it's one of the reasons why, why we as a body of Jesus Christ have adopted a gift-based ministry. We don't want mistakes. We don't want dart throwing. We want to pray and discern, to follow the example that Jesus gave us in terms of being, it's powerful, it's profound to think about. And this was a big deal. Again, you remember, you see what it is that he called them to do. 
to preach, to proclaim, to have authority to drive out demons. I'd say that's pretty big. And so many other things that go along with that in terms of who it is that they were. We read about that again all throughout the Gospels. Prayer, discernment, intent. And then this as well. And, and you, you, you know the, the names that are there. And I would say even don't, we might look at the name of Judas and say, oops, he made a mistake. Because these were people, again, that were going to be people who, who had a huge kingdom impact and turned the world upside down. And we all know that Judas failed, right? But that was intentional as well. It was part of God's plan. No mistakes made. And why was that true? And why did they have the impact that they did? Because of the intent and because of the prayer. You know, sometimes we wonder about that, why things don't work out or why things fail either in our lives or in our ministries or as followers of Jesus Christ. And sometimes I wonder, it's not always the case, but what did we put into that? What did that mean in terms of who we were being and, and what we were hoping to have happen? in terms of prayer and investment of time and effort. And that's another piece that's hugely important. So Jesus knew the need for them to be equipped and empowered. And, and there's part of that, and I skipped right over it on purpose when I read that in verse, four, uh, <clears throat> verse 14. It says, he appointed them 12, doesn't even be possible. And so then it says this, that they might be with him. And it's probably the, the, the greater part of, of all of it in terms of truth, that they might be with him. And just one little phrase, but it's so, so full. And you know what it is that Jesus did from this point on, right? Maybe. He, he spent three years of his life, almost every waking and non-waking moment with the twelve. He poured himself, every, every part of all the things that he knew, he poured himself into them so that they would learn and they would grow. And, and when we think about making disciples, and sometimes I wonder if, if as followers of Jesus Christ and whether it's people in our lives or others, we, we can kind of tend to like pass that off, right? We'll pass that off to the youth leader. We'll pass that off to the children's ministry leader. We'll pass that off to... Uh, it's, it's, it's us, the body of Jesus, being and making. It's a tremendous privilege and it's a tremendous opportunity, and it takes time. It takes effort. That, that's the example of Jesus. It cost him something. And he, he was willing to do it because he understood what it would mean and what would take place and what would happen. And so often I think about that and I wonder about that in terms of the living of life. And I think about being disciples and, and, and making disciples. And I think about individual followers of Jesus and I think about the church. And I hope and pray that we get it and that we're willing to take the time to put the effort in, to go deep, not just wide, and to do the pouring and the investing 
at a much more deeper and personal and intimate level. I'm still praying that for each one of you. I'm not going to stop. We don't grasp that. And we make connections and we start building relationships. That's what Jesus did. So he would pour into and invest in the hearts and the lives of others. And a simple question would be, why, why do people not do that? Or why do churches not, not take the time to do that? And, and you, you can have a litany of, of answers. And perhaps that's the greatest. They're too busy doing other things. They don't want to make the sacrifice that it takes. There's all kinds of things. we got other things going on ourselves personally, so I, I can't really pour into that person or come alongside of them. There's a lot of reasons. But Jesus knew what it would take, and so he called them to be with him close, intimate, personal. It doesn't mean that they, that they always did it well. Do, do you remember this story just um, really one page over? Jesus is, is um, out in a boat with, with the disciples, with the 12, and, and they're, they're going across the water, and a storm kicks up. Remember what Jesus was doing when the storm kicked up? He was sleeping. And the disciples, I kind of picture this, they're out there, the waves, the boat's rocking, you know, water's coming in, it said. They were thinking about, they were getting fearful of being swamped. And Jesus is up in the front of the boat with a, a cushion, it says, a pillow, something, and he's sleeping. And remember what the, what the others did in the boat? They got angry and we're frustrated, and they walk up to him. I can just see this. Somebody, like, crawls across some of the, and they shake him, and they wake him up and say, hey, aren't you, aren't you concerned about us that we're going to drown, that we're going to lose our lives? Jesus, maybe he yawned, I don't know, stood up, said, be still, the water's calmed. Then you remember what he said as he turned to them? I just imagine being in the bow of the boat, turning around. I'll do this way. Bow of the boat, turned around. He said, is it because you had no faith that you were afraid? He was, he was teaching. He was encouraging, empowering. And there were disappointments. He had it again just a few chapters later in Mark 7. He's got a teaching about what it means to be clean on the inside. His disciples don't get it. They come to him and said, we're confused. And I, and I love this word. And I, I think, you know, if I ever said this um, in a consistory meeting or in a team meeting or even now to you, I'm sure there would be great offense. This is what Jesus says when they don't get it. He says, are you so dull? How'd that go over? Don't you see what this is all about? That's what Jesus says to him. Was he being mean? No. He just wanted him to get it. 
And the cool part is, even though there were disappointments, even though there were moments when he just, have you ever been there with somebody? Maybe part of your job was to train somebody. Maybe you're thinking about, again, about kids or, or grandkids or something or a friend or something, and you're like, I just don't understand. They don't get it. Why is that? How can that be? With all the time that I've taken, with all the things that I've taught them, with all of the things that... Jesus never gave up. He prodded, he pushed, he encouraged. He used all the moments that he could as teaching moments to equip them, to help them to see, to learn, to grow, to be. He persevered all the way to the cross. And for you and me, as followers of Jesus, as being and making disciples, what a great example. Because you know what happened, right? Their lives were changed forever. And then they changed the world. What is he calling you to be a part of? that's greater than yourself? Who is he calling you to pour into? Keep praying on it. Keep thinking about it. We'll see where God leads. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you, you are an amazing God. We celebrated your goodness again, we do it. We thank you for the example of Jesus and what it means to be and to make. To start relationships, to build them, to take the time, the effort. Lord, we know that it's going to cost us. But Lord, we're so thankful for your presence. That's the difference maker. And you give us everything that we need to be and everything that we need to help make. And that word is, and that phrase is so true, help make. You, you are the changer of lives. It's your goodness. It's your grace. It's your presence. It's your power. We're just invited to be a part of it as partners in the gospel, but we, we praise you for that precious invitation. I want to thank you thank you so much for the privilege and for who it is that we can be together as a body of Jesus Christ and the things that we can see happen and unfold in the moment that will last for all of eternity. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray.